AJC. Yes, Mr. Baez. The clock is ticking on us, isn't it? Yeah. Are you flying down here for something? Yes, I am. Coming up April 20th of 2022, this year, just in a few short weeks, we have the 25th anniversary Space Coast HR Conference. That's the Space Coast Human Resource Association Incorporated, SCHRA, and the South Brevard Society for Human Resource Management. They partner together each year and they present a conference for the benefits of the HR and business professional community within the Space Coast area. And it's going to be my pleasure to fly back down and for you to pick me up at the airport and drive me around. Yeah, apparently I'm an Uber as well. <laughs> We're heading over to Port Canaveral. It's going to be a fantastic time. You're not just an Uber. You're a teammate. You're a member. You're a partner in this amazing thing called HR Talk. It's crazy to think that we've come as far as we have. A conference like this is not just their 25th anniversary, Rick, but it's also something where if you attend it, you get these recertification credits uh, going towards your HRCI and, and SHRM certifications. That's something you got to do every year. Is that right? Every three years or so. Every three years or so, you do have to recertify. And that test is insane. So people do the best that they possibly can to get as many credits as possible. That way, they stay as far away from that test <laughs> as possible. That is correct. But, but wait, but so the HR Talk podcast is going to be there. You're going to be the MC. We're going to be there all day on April 20th. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting. I got to get a new W-2 for my new job as a Lyft driver, picking you up and taking you <laughs> everywhere in Central Florida. But we are going to have live shows on the A1A Beachfront Studios, the original studios, and the hopefully at the A1A Beachfront Studios East with the face. So we'll see if that's going to happen. They did a drawing to give away attendee sponsorship to the Space Coast Conference this year. And the winner of that drawing was Nicole Van Buskirk. She walks away as a winner of free admission to the conference this year. Anyone who's looking to still get tickets, you're more than welcome to stop by SpaceCoastHRConference.com. Feel free to grab tickets for yourself and or your entire team. This facility at Port Canaveral can seat like 10,000 people, so there's definitely enough room for you, okay? They're close to capacity <laughs> at this time. It's almost sold out, so you might want to buy your tickets. They could be the last ones, okay? So definitely stop by the website, SpaceCoastHRConference.com. Grab your tickets. We're going to see you in a few short weeks, and it's going to be my pleasure to be there with you and for Ricky to drive me around. And JC, a month later, I'm going to be up east, Southern Maryland, actually. I am going to be a speaker at the Human Resources Association of Southern Maryland. That is going to be in Ocean City, Maryland, May 11th through May 13th. So you can get your tickets at H-R-A-S-M-O-N-L-I-N-E. So that's harassomonline.sherm.org. You'll be able to get your tickets there. They are still available. You do have an early birth special until April 1st. You've got now, exactly less than a week. Now, that's the same thing with uh, with Space Coast in a way, just for a different region of the United States, where if you show up, you can receive the recertification credits for the Sherman, the HRCI um, uh, recertification process. Isn't that right? Absolutely. You still do get about 10.5 recertification credits for SHRM CP and SCP credentials, as well as 10.5 credits for PHR, SPHR, and GPHR through HRCI. Hey, Ricky, 
someone, a little birdie, told me that this one is called the Waves of Change, Oceans of Opportunities at that ninth annual conference. Tell me a little bit more about that. Who do you have? Well, we have on there, obviously, we do have Christine Walters. She is a, uh, a um, she is an attorney, and I don't know what she's going to be speaking about, but I'm really interested in seeing her there. John Verico, he's also a speaker and a humorist. We have Jennifer Foxworthy. Uh, she's going to be talking about leadership development. And then there is a, a dual presentation. There is Melissa Hajara. I hope I said that correctly. And Jill Brookins, she's also going to be there as well. Be there as well. And brother man, yours truly is going to be there. Ricky Baez. I'm going to be talking about recruiting in a post, not so post pandemic world. It's going to be great. Amazing things from an amazing man making his way up to Southern Maryland. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. On behalf of the HR Talk podcast and Baez Co Learning, I'm JC. That's Ricky Baez. Feel free to uh, bring a sharpie with you when you meet Ricky. People like to get things signed. That's the best I could tell you on that one. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to do that, but it's okay. Bring a Sharpie. I'll sign your Sharpie. How's that? Welcome back to HR Talk with Vicky Baez and JC. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Human Resources Talking HR Talk, the premier podcast for human resources on the internets. It's our pleasure to be back here for you this week. I'm JC, co-host of the program up in blustery, cold, and freezing blizzard-like conditions in western New York near the Canadian border. And all the way down to sunny central Florida, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who lives in the land of sun and travels to the world of Mickey Mouse on the regular, Ricky Bias. That's right. Although, although, every time you say something like that, it never had an expiration date, JC. Now it does. <laughs> Something's about to happen here in central Florida, brother. You're moving? No, I'm not leaving this place. Are you kidding me? I love it here. Um, No, we are letting our Disney passes go. What? Why? What's going on? 10 years. Dude, after 10 years. Dude, you know, it's uh, we started going there before our son was born. Um, We love it every single year. We live 20 minutes away, right? So why not take advantage of the happiest place on earth the best that you can in the Sunshine State that gives you happiness? Um, So um, we um, this past couple of years, uh, the, the organization has been struggling. And I understand with everything happened with supply chain wait issues. Minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Issues. You're talking about str- like your business is struggling? No, Disney. Really? Disney has struggling to keep the, not financially, right? Because they're, now this is my opinion, in my opinion only. Yeah, sure. They, they are, they, uh, it's my belief they're nickel and diming everybody. Ooh. And they're taking away services, increasing prices to make up for what they lost for the pandemic. That is my opinion. Um, I am also a shareholder. And when I was in the last um, uh, shareholder meeting, uh, it, it's uh, it's it's we got a humongous bump. I mean, huge bump in our returns. So from a a shareholder perspective, I guess I'm happy. From a, a a guest perspective, going to the parks, I'm not. The magic is dropping. They keep increasing prices, and <laughs> at some point, it's true. I mean, at some point, you have to wonder. How much of a buffer would you have to blame the pandemic of the loss of value? Because at some point, I have to say, this is enough for me. I need to take my money elsewhere. And uh, we're thinking about switching to the dark side. Universal Studios. 
why, so we're why, thinking why about is, doing that. Why is that the dark side? I don't understand, not being from the area. So, you know, here in Central Florida, we have the big three. We got, obviously, Disney World, who's got the most parks here. And then the second, the close second, is Universal Studios Resorts. And then you've got SeaWorld. SeaWorld has been declining. They've had some issues ever since that Blacklist, uh, blacklist Blackfish show. H- hang on a second, though. I, what do you mean the big three? I thought there was, like, the big five. So where, you, you, where had, the you had from? Disney, Universal, SeaWorld. It was, like, the Tiger Kingdom, Lion King facility and then like gator <laughs> world or something like aren't those or reptile land or what it's, was it it's called gator land it's called, <laughs> it's called gator, <laughs> reptile world uh that's that's probably the competitor for a gator land um gator land is there i i actually live closer to gator land than i do to uh to oh my gosh there South it is Orlando. there it is get get annual passes to gator land no look i'm not i'm not gonna <laughs> Look, they've been around since the 1950s, so they've done great for Central Florida. But all I got to say is this. Can you buy annual passes for Gatorland? Yes. Can you go one time and that's it? Yes, you could do that as well, brother, because there is a lot of Gators in there. But once you see one, you're like, all right, that's that's a Gator. All right. Let me me go to the (laughs) alehouse and have some wings. (laughs) I'm going to return here 364 times this year to check out out this, this same Gator. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we're we're really here's what's funny in Central Florida. I thought Gatorland was in Gainesville. Well, I'm sure that also is Gatorland for a completely different reason, right? Because that's a Gatorland swamp. <laughs> but uh, Gator World, Gator, <laughs> Gator World. Here I am switching it up. No, but Gatorland's been here since the 1950s. I think they're still owned by the same right. family. All right, I understand. So I understand, and I have an actual idea for you. So take oh, your shareholder sure. investments in Disney and portion those off take take a portion of the proceeds and siphon that off and invest those in the new up and coming are you ready for it yeah gator universe <laughs> the gatorverse the gatorverse like they sub license like star trek or like space just space just space things right <laughs> and they interconnect with like nasa or nasa like if nasa is too expensive they just go with nasa so they kind of like have something there and it's and all about got it. yeah. It's all about gators in space. Trump. <laughs> oh my gosh! Could you imagine? Like, man is returning to the moon, and now it's full of gators. Like, there would be a whole thing. Like, it would be like an entire thing, man. Remember, brother. Somebody went to a bunch of executives and pitched an idea for a tornado movie that has sharks in it. So oh, this dude. is not too far fetched. Here it is: the Tesla Gator Sled. It just gets filled. <laughs> it gets filled with gators, and they shoot it up in the sky really quick. Uh, I wonder. I and they wonder all have blowtorches. <laughs> well, if you shoot gators into space, I wonder if we would get hate from PETA. I wonder oh, if they would hop on board with that. Absolutely, would you would in a heartbeat. Okay. Yeah, because right. gators don't have wings, them. right? Yep, I they, mean, they don't. Yeah, and so they couldn't make a conscious choice on being put in the vessel. They don't have thumbs. They can't oppose you. I mean, oh, yes, they sure as hell can. They can bite the crap out of your limbs. And that said, dude, I'm not getting near Gator. I'm not trained for that you know, stuff. You know, one of the wild things in Orlando is like literally around every block that you turn, you've got like some sort of amusement something. I was shocked and terrified. You took me for a drive one time and we're in uh, the what was that? Uh, kiss, kiss, I me, kiss me. <laughs> What's it called? Kiss. 
Kissimmee. Kissimmee. Kissimmee, Florida. So, yeah, so you took me down there, and we're driving down the street, and and they had, like, these 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 things. And, and maybe it wasn't in Kissimmee. I forget where it was, but it was, like, these things where it was, like, these two huge metal poles going in the sky, and then it was, like, strings coming down, and, and you hop in these baskets, and I'm like, dude, what's that? He's like, oh, they just shoot you in the sky, and you bounce around. And then we watched it, and I pulled up videos on YouTube and stuff, and that's, like, literally it. It slingshots you up in the sky, and then, like, you spin around, and you get sick or pass out, or things yeah. fall out, change falls out of your pockets, and you come down, and you're like, oh, yeah, that was great, 50 bucks, cool, let's do it again. It's like, whoa, <laughs> no, not not good. Do you have an annual pass? You know, like. <laughs> no, the, but those you've got are something, all over Orlando. Yeah, but you've got something amusement-like that popped up, like, in every corner of the entire area. Am I wrong? No, that's uh, when when you and I went there. That was years, like twenty something years ago. It's it's grown since then. Now you've got Old Town that has all these uh, amusement rides. Oh, you've got uh, the other side. It's called Old second. Town. Old Town amusement rides. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's yeah. No, it's literally like a Civic that's dropped low, and the seats recline way back, and it's got thumping <laughs> tunes. It takes you on the way back Old Town train to the nineties, right? So every Friday night, they do have something like that, actually. Every Friday and Saturday night in Old Town, they have these car shows, these car clubs. You've got the old classics, the old 57 Chevys. you got the old Mustangs, uh, oh, dude, Camaros. Dude, it's, so you got the drop it's party night, party night well. in Old Town. Let's go do the Macarena. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, when JC is in town next month, I will get a video of him doing the Macarena no. in the middle of Old Town, there, and I'm going to post it everywhere. There's not enough time. It's all. I'm going to post it on MySpace. It's It'll cool. be awesome. <laughs> It'll be great. Bebo. and Bebo. <laughs> Wherever they be. I remember Bebo. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, Lucy, and I were the only one on Bebo when it first came out. Uh, people that aren't familiar, Lucy, senior executive Lucy, consultant to the program, really, really like a highly skilled professional in the world of Cobra. If you ever do have the opportunity to work or talk with her, um, just reach out to Bias Co Learning. She she's fantastic people, and she'll probably decline your business. She's too busy. She's too busy and too expensive. <laughs> she is too busy these but days. She knows her worth, man. She knows her worth. That's all I got to say. And, and for the record, that's Cobra, the benefit stuff, not Cobra, the animal that you may or may not see at Gatorland or the so. Commander. <laughs> <laughs> Cobra Commander. Yes. <laughs> Oh my God! You're taking me back, brother. Yeah, GI Joe. So that's a real American hero. So Orlando wound up in the news for a very obscure amusement park. Um, talking about the different amusement parks. So you mentioned Disney, um, Island World, Space Time Travel, whatever the <laughs> names of these friggin' things are, right? And then I'm reading about Icon Park. I have no idea what that is. What's Icon Park? Icon Park is an amusement park. It's a tiny amusement park right this smack in the middle of International Drive. International Drive in Orlando is the hub where all the tourists come to. They normally stay there. If they don't stay at the parks, they stay on International Drive and they get shuttled to the different parks in the area. Okay. That's like the hub. All right. Um, and about a couple of years ago, actually a few years ago, this new park came on. It's Icon, I-C-O-N. Um, it's got a humongous... It's it's Ferris wheel. It's it's called the Orlando Eye. It's supposed to mirror the one that they have over in London and the one in Vegas. You can see just takes about thirty minutes around for you to see the entire Central Florida area. Okay, so and it's wait, got different wait, wait. rides here and there. So uh -huh. so they are like it's not like a 
fly by the seat of your pants overnight kind of place like they're established in Vegas and London and other places or you're saying that the ride is similar to what you'll find in others but this this icon park is an entity unto itself it's a, it is an entity unto itself um it takes literally maybe 2 hours to see the whole thing and that's that's max um and it's i believe i could be wrong i believe it's owned by the same company that owns Legoland i could be wrong but i do know when you go to Legoland and you go ahead and you uh, purchase an annual pass for them, you do get access to uh, several areas in Icon Park. That's what leads me to believe they're associated. Or, or, I think it's called or, Merlin Entertainment. Okay, okay, I understand now. So, again, I've only seen headlines. Could you fill us in, not just yeah. me, but the listening audience, as to what happened at Icon Park this past week? I'll, I think I'll play a clip. Here's a clip from West 2 News. This is from a couple of days ago, talking about Icon Park. I'm definitely still in shock uh, that it happened. Ivan says Thursday was supposed to be a regular night out on the town with his friends. They decided to try out the new freefall ride at Icon Park. <laughs> 430 feet. That's great. Coming down, 75 miles per hour. Ivan says he had his cell phone out to record his friend's reaction after the drop not even realizing what his video ended up capturing. We're freezing the video here, choosing not to show the moment 14-year-old Tyree Sampson falls. When I heard that he was 14 years old, my heart sank. I Literally, I'm heartbroken about it. Ivan says his friends were just two seats away from Tyree. This could have been one of my friends that it happened to. It's not what you would expect from a, a ride in the heart of Orlando. You know, it, we're known for our amusement parks, for our, our thrill rides. It's still under investigation how the boy fell, according to the sheriff's office. Were there any red flags? Right from the beginning. In Ivan's video, you can see one of his friends question the ride restraints. Why does it have like the little click click, like the seatbelt? Yeah. They were asking if they had that additional seatbelt. Uh, you know, in most rides, you have your harness that pulls out on you, but you also have the additional secondary seatbelt. But this doesn't have that. This does not have that. It's really concerning, especially being a brand new ride, not to have that. It was concerning to me and me not even being on the ride. It was extremely concerning. About 30 seconds after Tyree falls, ride employees ask each other about the harness. Ivan says his prayers go out to Tyree's family. The reason why I posted the video is to highlight those safety concerns. I really hope that uh, the company takes a step back and kind of assesses the issue and really takes a second look at safety procedures. In Orlando. Marley Martinez, West 2 News. All right, I have a question for you, Baez. So so this is a describing the video that we saw while they're reading this here. It's just one tall, huge tower, and it's like this uh, donut thing that slides up and down the tube or whatever you call it. So it, it shoots up in the air, and they're saying it comes down at 75 miles an hour. And then at, at some point, they didn't show the actual video, and I'm not sure if I want to see it right now, but at, at some point... The fourteen-year-old child falls out of the the restraint. What what exactly happened there? That I'm I'm a little unclear. 
So I'm going to start from the beginning. Um, in that video, the video they were showing that it chose not to finish. It shows everything from beginning to end. They show the guy who's taking the video showing his friends, and they're asking about the seatbelt. And the employee kind of smug says, "What? Well, we don't have seatbelts. We don't have any of that, right? Kind, you know, kind of smug, right? Um, but then as you're looking at the video to the right, two seats to the so, right, wait, wait, is the wait. young man. So seatbelt. So there's the U-shaped harness that kind of comes down over you. And, That's and, correct. And has the things to hang on to. Okay, I understand. Go ahead. Now, I, I would have to assume those are hydraulics, right? Because it clips nowhere. So something has to snap to, to lock you in, right? But if you look to the left of the video, you could see people working on this young man's on the victim's um, harness because he was a rather large, you know, it, it's large individual like myself. So when the harness comes down, it doesn't go all the way down like it does to everybody else. So you could see somebody trying to help him and clip in the bottom of the harness to the top of the bottom of the seat, which it looks like that they have that, uh, that, that option available for people with odd body shapes, right? But you could still tell that it was a little bit higher up. Let's, now, talk, normally- let's talk about that real quick. Uh, after, after you're done with that, I want to circle back to that because I have a story on that piece. So, so okay. normally what happens? So once, uh, no, 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 normally what happens, once everything locks into place, there is a light that turns on on the console that says, this is locked in, right? Now, remember, I used to work at Back to the Future. This was back in 1994, and they had that same technology back then where the lap bars would come down. A light comes on saying, this lap bar is secure. Nobody can touch it. If, it's, if it doesn't register as secure, you cannot start the ride. Now, that was in 1994. I don't work for Icon Park, but I have to assume they have to use at least that old technology <laughs> or updated one because in the video, you can see lights coming on, coming off. And later on, you hear the workers talking about they saw the light on. All right. That came down. The ride started, shoot it up in the air, 430 feet. Once it stops in the air, kind of, you know, does a little twirl, you know, uh, slow, um, slow turn so, so you can see all of Central Florida. Then I don't know if it drops you or pushes you down. It looks like it pushes you down. As it's pushing you down, coming back towards, towards, uh, towards the, uh, the uh, platform, towards the end of it, the seats automatically go forward to give you that big jolt, that big scare, that you're really going to fall flat face on the ground. Unfortunately, the, uh, the harness for this young man opened up, and he fell straight out and hit the ground and passed away oh in front God. of everybody. It oh, was, wow. I saw the actual video. It is not easy to watch, man. It is not. And, and it, it's, uh, once I saw it, man, and just hearing everybody screaming, I just feel so horrible for the, uh, for the parents of the child. The parents weren't there. The parents were not there. According to the reports, he was there with family. And, um, he went with his cousins and family. His parents were still in Missouri. So he was here in Central Florida, got here on Wednesday. He says he wanted to ride that ride. He got on it, and then unfortunately this happened. They were here for like, they, they were in Florida for like a football tournament or something like that. And he was a promising up and coming football player yeah. from what I was reading. Uh, six foot four, um, decent sized young man with a yeah. potential bright future coming down to promising Central future. Florida to uh, play in a championship game. And so while you're there, of course, you're going to take an opportunity to like see the sights. Look, um, you were talking about the, the harness thing. Just real quick mm-hmm. on this. I, I remember you took me to that. Uh, I, I think it was the dark side 
museum place or whatever you called it earlier. And uh, we, we were walking around and they had some sort of uh, ride like that. It was you, your brother and myself. And I, I think Lucy may have been there. I, I can't remember exactly, but we got on a ride very similar to this. And it was my first time doing one of these. And I was sitting next to you and I was kind of shocked because I, re- I remember that thing coming down and clicking and locking in. And, uh, you, you know, due to your petite size, um, <laughs> it, had a, it, it didn't click. Like, I remember it yeah. went over your head and yeah. you pulled it down and it would not click. Yeah. And then you got it to click, but then kind of didn't click. And it, and they came over and they brought like a belt that yep. clipped into the, the harness and then clipped into the seat, like some sort of extender thing. And, and granted, your life has changed. Your cholesterol is much better now. But. <laughs> that was like 20 plus years ago, you know, yeah, yeah. kind of going off of what you said. <clears throat> um, so something like that is not standard in the industry. I, I don't know. I'm not an amusement no, it is. park Actually, guy. It is standard because, you know, there's there's these seats in these rides are not it's they I, I, I don't know what organizations are doing, developing these seats, what they think is the average American size. Because it's not, right? So every amusement park has an extender. They have a procedure for people who cannot get the uh, the uh, lap bar or the harness to come down, right? Now, remember, we're talking about big organizations, Disney, Universal, SeaWorld. They have an almost impeccable record. They, they, they've had some issues as well, but not nearly as frequent as smaller organizations like this one. So... Well, this it, it also it also seemed like the person that was working, like the actual worker, no no slight or disrespect to anybody. It seemed like they were younger, though. I yeah. I don't know if they were a more seasoned employee. You know, do they are the, are they aware of some of these remediation steps and procedures? Is there one in place? There is is there something written in a manual or handbook or anything of that nature? Like I well, I don't know how that you used to work at an amusement park. So let, let's shift this real quick to, to the uh, HR perspective, right? Like yep. um, not pulling OSHA or anything into that just yet. All right. But just focusing, we have to. <laughs> but we will. Right. Yeah, but yeah, focusing yeah. from the employer side of the house, you, you've got employees, you're bringing them on, you're teaching them how to properly service or, or, or take care of the customer service end of things for getting people on this ride, et cetera, being a proper attendant for this. Is there an extensive training? Where, where do you, where's the differential between what you have written down and, and what needs to happen versus the reality of what actually happens when you hire someone into these positions? So back when I worked at Universal Studios at Back to the Future, Universal Studios, they did not play when it came to safety. They gave us a two-week training just on the safety features of the ride. Okay. What should you do? Who sh- who you should allow in the ride? Who you should not allow in the ride? Uh, because um, it was uh, for those of you who who don't remember or have never been, the Back to the Future ride was now the Simpsons ride at at, at the park. It jolts you back and forth. You're in there for about five minutes. It's a it's a flight simulator. It's got eight seats, four in the front, four in the back, and it jolts you kind of back and forth. So if you're pregnant, if you got neck problem, back problems, we warn everybody ahead of time. Now, can we prevent somebody from going on? No, right? We can't, especially if they're paid <laughs> to be on the ride. But we have to do everything in our power to let them know of the risk factors. Now, the only time we could kick somebody out is if they do something that compromises safety for themselves and everybody else. That's when we say stop the ride, get down, 
you're being escorted out of the park. We're not going to tolerate any kind of safety violations. They don't play. Disney does not play. SeaWorld doesn't play. I'm going to stop right there because I do know there's different, oh, different, wait. uh, Gator world, huh? Gator world don't play. I don't know about Gator world, but Gator land, I'm sure it doesn't play. <laughs> they got zip lines and they got harnesses and stuff there. Right. Um, but you know, it's, um, if you start talking about the smaller entities, like a state fair, I've been to a state fair. I've been to a county fair. I will not let my son ride in any of those things because I just don't trust their training. I don't trust how the machines are upkept. I just don't trust any of that, right? I know the big three, they have an insane process to make sure everybody is safe. And what it looks like on this video over over and at uh, Icon Park if you heard at the end of that video, you heard one person asking another, did you check him? And the guy says, yeah, I did. I did. Now, here's the thing. That's the same guy at the beginning that was talking about there are no seatbelts. There's you're going to 430 feet. And in that video, he didn't check the other guy. But you could see somebody working on the other guy, making sure that the harness comes down. I think it's going to end up being an issue with the manufacturer of the machines and the harness. It's going to be ugly. But let's stop real quick. Let's shift this to HR. Right? This happened last Thursday night, around 1030 at night. So um, it's as soon as that happened, I got a bunch of texts from my students and, hey, look at what happened. We, we were just talking about OSHA. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, we are going to talk about it in class. Right? Don't worry about it. So here's what needs to happen from an OSHA perspective. Right? Let's get that out of the way because that is the most time sensitive. And when, some, when there is a death and a ride in an incident, it has to be reported to OSHA within eight hours, not 24. doesn't matter what time it happened. Eight hours, it needs to be reported to OSHA. And the responsibility of leadership and HR does not stop there. Because now you got to start focusing on the H and HR. There was about 15, 20 people around who saw this happen. So now you got to make sure your employees are okay. You got to make sure all the attendees that saw everything are okay emotionally, physically. And shut the ride down. Just shut it down until until people can come in and investigate, see what happened, make sure all the safety protocols were being followed, making sure it wasn't a mechanical failure and make sure that. It, yeah. So it's just going to be shut down. And real quick to make a report, what you would do is call the nearest OSHA office. You could call the OSHA 24 hour hotline at 1-800-321-6742 or you could report it online on their website. What you would need to have to make sure when filing the report is the business name the name of the employees affected, the location and time of the incident, a brief description of the incident, a contact person, and a, uh, a primary telephone number to be contacted. Back to you. Right. This, and leaders, HR, this is not the stop to be cheap. This is not the time to be cheap. It's not. Pull out all the stops and bring in some um, um, emotional support. Bring in some resources to help people. Use your employee assistance programs. That's why they are here. Your employees are going to need it. These these employees, like like JC said, they are relatively young. So I have to assume they've never seen anything this tragic, right? So this is going to haunt them for a long time. Not to mention the 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 family, but for, from the employee's perspective, this is going to affect them. You have to make sure you pull out all the stops to make sure your employees are okay and the ride is shut down. To follow up with that. Dollywood, we all know Dollywood, Dolly Parton. Yeah. The past few years, I've been going up to uh, to a Tennessee. First time going to Dollywood for Christmas. Had a blast. 
And I remember we were up there and it was a similar ride up there. We were there in December. My son wanted to ride. Daddy, I want to go on that. Mom said, hell no, absolutely not. You, you, because she's, she's really finicky about that, obviously, as she should be. But to me, I trust Dolly Parton. I trust that, 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 that amusement park because I know they're like Disney and Universal. But they just put out a, 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 a press release because they have the same type of ride. And the ride that they have was built, manufactured by the same company that built the one in Icon Park. They decided to shut that ride down temporarily until they could rule out any mechanical issues, which is a smart move from the Dollywood people. It really is a smart move. This is a perfect example of an organization that learns from other people's mistakes, and they don't wait until the mistakes happens to them for them to learn their lessons. So they are taking a step in the right direction. They're waiting to see what happens with the OSHA investigation. But, man, my heart just goes out to the family, and it, it's, it's just a horrible, horrible experience. It really is. This, uh, this interestingly, ties together with, a, uh, with something that was uh, in the news in Florida this past November as well. Florida lawmakers did pass a bill that requires the uh, governor's office to present its own vision for a state program similar to OSHA. And if approved, mm-hmm. the state would essentially leave the federal program. And uh, there's guidelines for that. It's it's not unheard of. OSHA has guidelines for what a state program would have to follow to, to move forward. So in order for those new rules to be approved, they must first meet the standard OSHA guidelines. And then from there, lawmakers say Florida could be uh, more stringent in its guidance. But that doesn't necessarily mean Florida will be exempt from federal um, mandates of any yep. kind um, in the workforce. So it's... Um, it's interesting when we think about some of those OSHA provisions and uh, in regards to fatality and casualty and, and the uh, the state efforts as well to become more stringent or, or more strict. It, it, it'll be yeah. intriguing in the coming years. It doesn't help right now. Right now, it'll definitely be a, uh, something within the hands of OSHA. But from the state perspective, it'll be uh, intriguing to see where that goes. Um. Another thing about this park, Icon Park, this this ride, it's about three years old, three or four years old. This is the second death. Oh, really? The second death. Yeah. The first death happened about a year and a half ago, and it was an employee, an employee who was inspecting the ride. Right. It's If you want to inspect the safety aspect, you've got to see it from beginning to end. So this employee was taken up. Up to the uh, to the uh, to the top of, of the tower. I don't know what the procedures are. If they have to unharness from one and harness to another, but unfortunately, that employee fell and passed away as well. So OSHA is no stranger to this ride, and I honestly, I don't think this ride is going to ever open up again because that's two in less than five years. And for, it's, that's that's too too many for the people in the HR talk community that might not be fully familiar with everything here. The um, initial report, the fatality catastrophe report, the form OSHA-36 is a pre-inspection form that must be completed for all fatalities or catastrophes unless knowledge of the event occurs during the course of an inspection at the establishment involved. Now, the purpose of the OSHA-36 is to provide OSHA with enough information to determine whether or not to investigate the event. Um, For more information, you can refer to section XVI. (laughs) <laughs> I like doing that, right? <laughs> For detailed instructions on processing the OSHA 36, if after initial report, though, the area office becomes aware of information that affects the decision to investigate, the OSHA 36 should be updated. If the additional information does not affect the decision to investigate or the investigation has been initiated or completed, the OSHA 36 need not be updated. 
and subsequent uh, to updating the OSHA 36, it should be resubmitted to the national office. These are things that you're going to have to do. These are things that might be on your shoulders or you might have to turn to your legal team about. And for fatality catastrophe investigations, all fatalities and catastrophes will be thoroughly investigated in an attempt to determine the cause of the event, whether a violation of OSHA safety and health standards or general duty clause occurred and any effect the violation had on the accident. Before I continue, Ricky, it states whether a violation of OSHA safety and health standards or the general duty clause occurred. What's the differential between the OSHA safety and health standard versus the general duty clause? I honestly don't know. I'm going to have to look that up, man, because not I, a that, I don't know that difference. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, not sure a problem. about that. It, it goes on here to state that the investigation should be initiated as soon as possible after receiving a report of the incident, ideally within one working day by an appropriately trained and experienced compliance officer assigned by the area director. That is complying, though, with the fact that you filed that report within the eight-hour time span that Ricky mentioned earlier. The area director of OSHA then determines the scope of fatality catastrophe investigation, complete all such investigations in an expeditious manner. Now, OSHA encourages the use of videotaping as a method of documentation and gathering evidence. Inspections following fatalities or catastrophes should include videotaping when appropriate. They do have guidance published. Refer to the OSHA instruction CPL 02-00-098 guidelines for case file documentation for use with videotapes and audio tapes um, for more information on the electronic documentation. And lastly, under no circumstances should OSHA personnel conducting uh, fatality catastrophe investigations be unprotected against a hazard encountered during the course of an investigation. Mm -hmm. OSHA personnel must use appropriate personal protective equipment and take all necessary precautions to prevent occupational exposure to potential hazards. That heads down a rabbit hole right there. But I want to hit those key points because um, if you desire uh, OSHA.gov slash enforcement slash directives, there's an entire manual, an entire piece uh, under directives about fatality catastrophe investigation procedures um, CPL 020137. Um, and there may even be updates to this that are out there as well. I, I just recommend it's always good to go to the source documentation. Um, and if you're unsure, or even if you're just curious, if you do have legal counsel, consult with them, consult with your senior yep. HR leaders. If, if you're trying to utilize this as a internal training opportunity, just to learn more about some of the steps and procedures to better protect and insulate yourself, in regards to what you would have to do um, should an unfortunate instance occur, uh, there there are resources out there for that. But here's hoping you'll never have to face that exactly. and that your culture and environment is is different and, and takes a different stance. And that pins back to what you were talking about in, in the importance of building a culture of trust in HR and proper education, right? Absolutely. It, you have to be able to enforce safety. And here's, it, it's... <laughs> I, I, I made a mistake on social media, right? Um, there was the, the whole video was, was available, kind of like what, what this guy was uh, talking about. And he's talking about why he decided to share it because it shows everything, right? I saw that video. It, it just hurt my heart. I just saw it one time. And I just instinctively, I shared it, right? Saying my heart goes out to this family. It, it's, it's, you know, it's, just, it's just something. It was, it, was, uh, it, was well, it was good intentions. And you know, people started putting their their thoughts on it, saying, you know what, I wouldn't share that video because, you know, for the family, which I completely understand. But here's the reason I shared it. The reason I shared it is because 
you know, I could tell people all day, be safe, make right choices, do this, do that. But to some people, it doesn't really sink in until they see something graphic, until they see something that really, really motivates them to really stop and take pause. Here's why. The more we live life without any kind of incident, JC, the more we lax on safety precautions. That's just human nature, right? And it's not until something happens that's really drastic that we take pause and we stop. I'm like, should I do this? Should I not do this? Because the more of a daredevil you become, the more comfortable you become with you being a daredevil and ignoring rules, right? Now, back to this situation right here. If, if, if the child felt uncomfortable, because I think I've read some reports that he says, I don't feel good with this. I don't know if he was joking. I don't know if he was real. It, it's uh, real about it. But at that point, somebody should have said either him, somebody else, this is not going to work. I'd rather have you not ride. Please step off. Right. We're going to wait for the courts because you know who they hired? The family hired Ben Crump as the attorney. And for so, people not aware, who is Ben Crump? Ben Crump is a high-profile attorney. Normally, he handles, or I don't want to say normally because I don't know what he did prior to. Um, in recent years, he's been handling high-profile police brutality cases, right? And 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 he's he is sought after. He is today's Johnny Cochran, right? Um, I don't know if that's a good example because uh, Johnny Cochran uh, kind of helped OJ. I don't know if this guy did anything like that, but they hired Ben Crump. Now he is a high-profile attorney nationwide. So this organization is going to get hit, and it's going to get hit hard, and they better be ready. They better make sure their their safety precautions is documented. They need to make sure every employee did everything properly. That way the organization um, it, it doesn't get that big of an impact. Now, let's say all the employees did everything right. Nobody skimped on any type of safety precautions. It all goes back to the, to the manufacturer. I'll tell because you what. The, I'll, I'll tell you what. The manufacturers, the the uh, the people that are putting these rides in, they're they're not cheap rides, and and it's not cheap to get on these rides. So why not have some sort of black box that has a detailed chronology of everything that transpired and documents the the triggers and everything of that nature? I don't know if something like that exists, but if it does, um, great. If it doesn't, it anyone listening that desires to build something of that nature to further assist in these measures and it doesn't matter what the ride is i mean that would be that would be a huge benefit to a lot of people look um before we go too much further down the rabbit hole or talk about other things tyree sampson 14 years old he excelled on the field and in the classroom he was six foot five 325 pounds his family said as an eighth grader, he was a straight A student looking forward to playing football for East St. Louis High School in the fall. He was a charismatic and very good young man. His friends will tell you, the family will tell you, and anybody involved with the young man's life that he touched will tell you the same, according to Yarnell Sampson. Tyree's stepmom, Wendy Wooten, called Tyree a, general, uh, a gentle giant and said he dreamed of perhaps becoming a professional football player. With that being said, um, tough topic all the way around. Yep. Tough topic, but nonetheless important to talk about. Absolutely. Important to, to, to talk about because um, I hate to say this, but this is a, a grim reminder for employees to follow procedure, for leaders 
the leaders, good Lord, please make sure you hold your employees accountable to make sure they do not cut corners on safety. They do not cut corners on safety and be careful what you say, right? Because at the beginning of this video, the guy was bragging how there's no seatbelts and you go up and down. And I think I saw somewhere else another video where they were bragging or somebody was posting that no waivers, no seatbelts come good for, for a thrill. And that's going to come back and bite them. It's going to come back and bite them. But go just just make sure you maintain those uh, those standards to make sure that nobody gets hurt and everybody has fun. We have already been doing current events this whole show so far, yeah. and it was timely. Yeah. Uh, but these official current event topics, we only have about 10 minutes left on the show. We're going to try to get through these as quick as possible here. Uh, there was an Applebee's executive who just sent an email that the company was quick to disavow. Employees live paycheck to paycheck, he wrote, and then suggested cutting their pay. Wayne Pankrantz, a top executive at Applebee's franchise chain, sent a blast email to his colleagues this month, crowning that rising gas prices were an advantage for the chain. He reasoned that the cash-strapped people would have no choice but to take food service jobs, even if the chain lowered its wages, which he encouraged his colleagues to do so. The email made its way to Reddit, where it quickly became a major embarrassment for Applebee's and for the AFC brands, which operates 121 Applebee's and Taco Bell franchises, where Pancrans is executive director of operations, at least for now. There's a lot... Um, there's a lot a smart leader can learn from this incident, according to the article here that it says. Um, he suggested Applebee's would further benefit from the strain on other businesses, especially mom-and-pop stores. Faced with higher prices, these businesses would face an unpleasant choice of either raising prices, cutting employee hours, or lowering wages. Uh, some businesses will not be able to hold on, and this is going to drive more potential employees into the hiring pool. And that's where he's saying lower the wages and make it more cost-effective. Bias, back to you. <laughs> Talk about tone deaf, huh? Talk about tone deaf. How did he that? How did he not know how that was going to be received? I don't know. That but was uh, not going to be received. Well. I mean, uh, come on, dude. I'm going to tell, tell you right now. AFC brand spokesperson Scott Fisher uh, told the Kansas City Star, maybe he wrote it in the middle of the night. I don't know. The main message here is that this is absolutely no way, shape, or form speaks to our policies or our culture or anything like that with our brands. End quote. And that's Scott Fisher, brand spokesperson for AFC. So it looks like there may be a senior executive position open at AFC Brands. <laughs> right. Coming up this it's okay, next week. It's okay, though, because gas prices will help that. It's all right. <laughs> right. Gas prices will help you help you obtain the more cost-effective leader. Oh, come on, dude. What a moron. Sorry. <laughs> it's a lot. Okay. A lot. Heading over to uh, Microsoft. A Ex-Microsoft employee has accused the tech giant of violating Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. In an essay, Yasser uh, Elabd claimed his discoveries include millions of dollars in foreign bribes. A former Microsoft employee accused the tech giant of turning a blind eye on employees, subcontractors, and government operators engaging in bribery. In mm. an essay published Friday and also reported by the Wall Street Journal, uh, the essay was published somewhere else, some other random website, uh, Yasser SA? brought to light accusations of Microsoft employees using local partner companies to help sell the company's products to customers. Um, Microsoft told the Wall Street Journal they previously investigated these allegations, which are many years old, and added that they had terminated employees and partnerships that were part of the investigations. 
In 2016, Yasser said he realized a $40,000 payment to an African client didn't seem right. With some digging, he found out it was a former Microsoft employee who had been terminated for poor performance. He wrote, quote, corporate policy prohibits former employees from working as partners for six months from their departure without special approval, end quote. Seeking more details from management, he claimed that he encountered resistance and realized there was more to it than that and decided mm. to look deeper into the Microsoft employees who were orchestrating fake deals. Microsoft did not immediately respond to insiders' requests for comment made outside of normal working hours, but in the two years that followed, he said that he did everything in his power to counter the bribes, but believed Microsoft was not interested in stopping the payouts. He said ultimately ended up firing him in June of 2018. Uh, so there's there's a whole thing going on there with alleged bribes, uh, with, with investigations, internal investigations, Here's my pivot and question to you on this one, Baez. Sans all the ex- ex- extensive details related with this, which we don't even have time to get into on this program, but just based on what I've read to you so far and a little bit more that could come to light, the company has come to the table and said that they've already done their investigation and they've terminated the employees involved. The employer has already taken action associated with this. So to that, from the employer perspective and then thinking about any potential legal ramifications. Where, where do you sit in the scope of this? If a former employee goes forward to the press, talks about something that was previously addressed uh, by internal policy and then tries to make legal claim out of it. It's so assuming that the, it was already brought up by the through the proper channels and the proper um, internal authorities have addressed it already then not much they can do, right? Because we can't sell somebody, be quiet about this, don't say it, because that would be illegal. That would be illegal to 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 hide that. The only thing we can do or the organization can do is come out also and say, we've addressed this. He's gone through the process. It was addressed. Boom, 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 boom. Here's the information. And then let the public think what they want about this person. Now, if they haven't, if they haven't addressed it, if the leaders, if this is the first time they hear about it, Something is wrong with the internal chain of command, and you have to address it. A, address this issue immediately, number one. Number two, where was the breakdown in communication that it didn't get to the proper internal authority to nip this in the bud and to make sure it or, never happens again? Or they already nipped it in the bud. It Their intent is for it not to happen again. They've already terminated the employees, and then, oh, I see. So this guy might be going after a potential possible real retaliatory whistleblower kind of thing because he was also terminated in the years that followed. Well, we don't Who know knows? what happened, why he got terminated, right? right. It's, we don't know if it was something else and now he's using this. I'm yeah. just, I'm a little yeah. bit taken aback though, JC, because I don't know what the cultural background of an employee has to do with this story. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Right? It's I mean, written with the I, spin as well. That's the hard thing in the news nowadays. Like we see these articles come out and uh, they're, they're, they they have a heavy taint on them uh, for for one direction or another. I I don't know. Just give me the facts and let's dissect it. Go from there. You know, with blind eyes. That's all. I know. And essay and essay came out and said something. I don't know why a yeah. Hispanic man from Mexico has anything to do with this. So fine. Or like essay. an essay, like they wrote something kind of like a manifesto. Oh, that's what they meant. An essay. <laughs> Human beings. <laughs> Your last card event story in the shoot here for today is going to take us up to Jacksonville, North Carolina. Jayville. 
City of Jacksonville. Right. I mean, I was stopping grounds, man. I got happy now. City of Jacksonville Chief Human Resource Director Kimberly Williams has been nationally recognized by the Association of Defense Communities, the ADC, with the Defense Community Champion Award for making a difference in the lives of military families, military, and veterans. The Defense Community Champion Awards were recently given to a select and diverse group through a competitive process. Williams was among 10 individuals from around the country selected for the award for her inspirational achievements in serving our military community. Kimberly Williams, who is a finalist in WNCT's Remarkable Women event, joined the city of Jacksonville as the city's HR chief 10 years ago and quickly looked to the community's existing service members from Camp Lejeune and New River MCAS for job placement. Shortly after beginning with the city, she established a public-private partnership called North Carolina for Military Employment, or NC4ME. Through NC4ME, Williams worked with leaders in the military and civilian industry to help identify new careers for those leaving military by matching the military's unique skill sets to company needs. And then that way, too, people just don't run out of town. You hit the you hit the gate and you're like, do I turn left or right? Am I going north <laughs> or south? Because you can't drive straight. If you go left, you yeah, if you go left, then you can make it right a little bit further down the road. And then you're going like straight at that point, which would be west. But you're not driving east. <laughs> That's for sure. You know, um, yeah, I got an idea. Williams, she has more than 20 years of experience leading HR professionals in the private sector, public sector, not for profit environment. She has served as a volunteer with the Virginia Employer Support of the Guard and Reserve as state director for their employment initiatives program and initiated the Virginia Values Veterans Program, a statewide initiative to ensure employment of our military service members. You just got to ask yourself one thing at the end of the day. How are they so blessed to have someone so amazing like her on staff? Ricky buys back to you. Dude, Jacksonville, North Carolina, the place I never knew existed before 1995 when I decided to join the uh, the uh, military. I thought there was only one Jacksonville, and that was in Florida. That is the only place that I have seen the military base. It's bigger than the town it's in. <laughs> it is so tiny. So good for them. Good for them that they were able to bring in somebody with that immense skill to make sure that the organizations in the area really, truly have the right positions in the right places to help the businesses thrive. So awesome for them. I was I was waiting to hear to see if she had any military experience being in North Carolina in Jacksonville. No idea. She might. It might be further yeah. down in the article. The bigger thing yeah. here is she won the award and she's amazing. Good for her. Right. Awesome. Because she was either in the Marine Corps or a dependent of somebody in the Marine Corps. Very rare do you meet somebody from Jacksonville, North Carolina, that were born and raised or have no affiliation with the military um, at all. So, good for her. It's time for Florida Man Stories. Florida Man Stories brought to you this week in part by no one. We have no sponsors and we're poor. We do this out of the kindness of our heart. Yeah, that's 100% accurate. Florida man tried to steal a bulletproof vest that was worn by Bin Laden. His plan was not bulletproof, though. Unlike the item, he was alleged trying to steal. <laughs> a contractor working at the Navy SEAL Museum in Florida was collared for trying to steal a bulletproof vest worn by a member of the team that killed Osama Bin Laden, according to the report. Kendall Rust, 30 years old, was clocking out of work on March 21st when museum employees saw the ballistic vest was missing from the room that Rust had just been working in. A cop recovered the vest from Rust's toolbox. Rust told officers he wanted to take a photo of the vest and valued at $50,000 because of its role in the 
famous SEAL Team 6 raid. Kendall Rust was caught with the vest. It's valued at fifty grand, And Kendall Rust is now wearing prison garb. Ricky Baez, back to you. <laughs> what a moron. I'm sorry. Now, this is, I'm assuming this is the Navy SEAL Museum in Fort, my, in Fort Pierce, Florida. I've been there. And it is an awesome place. If you haven't been there, go check it out. I did not know they had the uh, the uh, bulletproof vest that was involved in that raid. So it's interesting. Somebody that's designed something that's designed to help the person make sure nothing happens to them. They're secured. That item wasn't secure enough to have somebody who just got out of work steal it and go away with it. <laughs> right? Why? Why isn't it somewhere locked away if there were somebody who was going to take it? I mean, come on. And how, how did they know it's worth 50 grand? I mean, what else do they have it to compare eBay. it to? Yeah, they just researched it on eBay, I think. Who That's knows? what it is? Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you compare? Does, does hey, that man. To compare it to? Hey, man, I found uh, I found a sneaker from some other guy in another raid, and that's going for 40 grand. This is a vest of someone that knew a guy's cousin. <laughs> like, dude, I don't know. I don't know. That's a lot. Like, I got the right socks. So, so, here, <laughs> so here's, yeah. here's the question then. Like, they're really promoting the fact that the vest is $50,000 in value. When does that go on yeah. the auction block, right? Uh, exactly. All right, Ricky, by exactly. that time on the show, final thoughts going over to you to begin. Final thoughts, please. Final thoughts. I'm going to go back to the an, initial theme of the show, It's uh, I, it's, and I cannot stop saying this. Business leaders, employees, HR pros, please make sure that you exercise extreme caution. If you have to deal in any situation, have to work in any situation where safety is paramount. Make sure you do the right thing. Managers, make sure you inspect. And that way, everybody is safe and enjoys life. That's what I'm going to say. For my final thoughts today, I'd like to take the opportunity to say thank everyone for sticking around for the entire program. Stop by OSHA.gov for cited resources on some of the documentation that was mentioned today. As always, seek out your legal counsel. We are not lawyers or advisors or speaking on behalf of anyone other than ourselves in our free time in nights and weekends. So please feel free to seek out the proper sources. Sometimes there's a lot of stuff that goes around in the news. And uh, you might know not know exactly what's shaking, so do your proper research, find the proper tool sets, and go from there. And for those who are in university still, and uh, you have a lot of questions about these these OSHA things like this, um, take a look at the curriculum. You know, a lot of times the professors cover these, and, and you, you blew it over, right? And with finals yeah. coming up, it's very important to make sure that you're paying attention to the core content, because the things that you learn throughout the span of your time in school, aren't always just trash. It just might not make sense yet. But then later on down the line, it comes full circle, and it's going to be things that you need to rely on. So at the very least, as you're learning and coming up through the ranks, bookmark pages, research things, go to cited sources, read the documentation, and at the end of the day, above all else, read the instructions for forms. Instructions for forms will tell you more about what's going on and it'll give you the proper guidance to seek and then extrapolate that to what you learned in regards to legal implications and, and regular business law. That's all. Those are my final thoughts today. It's been awesome. our pleasure to be here for you. You can find Ricky Baez and I over at the Space Coast Conference together coming up April 20th in Port Canaveral. I'll be your MC for the event. Ricky Baez at the HR Talk program will be there on site that day. We'll have the table set up and we encourage everyone to stop on by, say hi, share a little bit of your story, talk to us in, in between sessions, on breaks, etc. Love to get your feedback and actually really looking forward to shaking hands and seeing you in person. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, drive safe. Have a good night. 
frozen vegetables are healthier than fresh vegetables. Change my mind.